Live from Lamert Park, USA. I'm Tavis Smiley. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to see you and me back in stride again. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. All of our socials can be found at KBLA 1580. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Everything at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app at KBLA 1580. Download the app. And take us with you anywhere in the world and listen to us in real time. But only if you download the app right now at KBLA 1580. Should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of this program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast of this program and listen at your leisure. Should you miss us any day in real time, but I am delighted to have you along live for the next three hours. You can also watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. Let me also invite you to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another great show on tap for you today. In our second hour, two conversations. Up first, is happiness a choice? How much do we really control uh, how we show up in the world, especially when we have to fight to overcome various addictions, trauma, and other horrors in our daily lives. We will talk with licensed therapist Veronda Bellamy about how to make sense of the life that we are living and the legacy that we are leaving at the top of our two. On the B side of our two, a conversation with California Congressman Adam Schiff, who just announced, what, a couple hours ago, his entrance into the high-profile Senate race for the seat now held by Dianne Feinstein. Congressman Adam Schiff, you'll recall, former chair of the Intelligence Committee. He's the guy that led the impeachment hearings against Donald Trump and the guy that Kevin McCarthy just the other day denied a seat on the Intelligence Committee, even though he'd been chair of that committee. He's in the race uh, for the seat being held right now by Dianne Feinstein as of two hours ago. So Adam Schiff, Congressman, joins us on the B side of our two. In our third hour, LAPD Chief Michael Moore has requested that the LAPD commission uh, reappoint him to a second five-year term. Has he earned it? Does he deserve it? We will pose those questions and more to Chief Moore and interrogate his record when he joins us live in studio in Hour 3. So if you ain't never checked out the live stream, go to the app, uh, click on the KBLA TV icon, go to YouTube channel. He will be live in studio today at 11 a.m. Big story here in Los Angeles. Uh, Chief Moore joins us in studio in Hour 3. But in this first hour today, a searing look at the home appraisal industry. Most of us know by now that there can be a direct correlation between the appraised value of your home and the color of your skin. The darker your shade, the less you get paid. Sound like Jesse Jackson, the donor. <laughs> the home appraisal industry is mostly white, male, and aging. Of the 75,000 appraisers in the United States, get this, 75,000 appraisers, 97% are white, nearly three-quarters are both male and above the age of 45. Imagine that. <laughs> Let's commence right now a conversation with Lydia Pope. National President of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, the advocacy group for black professionals in the industry. Madam President, good to have you on. How are you today? I am blessed. Good to be on the show today. 
I'm delighted to have you on. I'm glad we got the hour. There's a whole lot to talk about, and uh, we're going to take advantage of every single minute that we have uh, today. Let me start with this. You just heard those numbers. You know them well because you live them every single day. I suspect for many in our audience, they're not really surprised by the numbers, but it's shocking uh, in some ways to hear um, what those numbers actually reveal. So before we get deep in this conversation, tell me how you process, put another way, how you navigate, live with those numbers every single day. Well, thank you. So, you know, as not just president of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, but as a real estate broker of over 27 years and being in the business, you know, one of the biggest barriers we find out was appraisers mm-hmm. and dealing with appraisal. And so when you're talking about real estate itself, it's more to it than just the appraisal. It's the real estate agent. It's the title company. It's the loan officer. But when you put all of that together, especially within the black community, you're talking about redlining, systematic racism. You know, you're talking about the stigmatism of blacks. And we have to what they call unblack your home in order to be able to mm-hmm. even put your property on the market. So it's so much engaged into this whole real estate process of all real estate practitioners in this business and only five percent of blacks are real estate agents in this country that automatically speaks for itself and one percent in appraising Mm. um i'm 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 trying to make sure that i don't break out in hives during this conversation because when you said you have to unblack your home let me just say this i know from personal experience, and it, it still grates on me to this day. I lost a lot of money. I'm, I'm going to confess this. I know from personal experience what happens when you don't unblack your home in uh, time enough uh, before people start coming in to see it, uh, before appraisers coming in, start coming in, and and uh, would-be home buyers start coming in. I learned that the hard way. And so every time I see one of these years ago, I learned this years ago, but every time I see one of these stories about somebody who's black trying to sell their home and they unblack it, and the the appraised value goes up. The offers shoot up once they unblack the home. I just get I get the heebie-jeebies all over again because I went through that experience myself. So we'll talk about that in this hour. Uh, what happens when you don't unblack your home in time if you're trying to sell it because racism is as real as rain? Uh, I guess the next question is, um, as we move through this hour, why it is that these numbers persist? I, I know that racism, we discuss this all the time around here, uh, racism is, to my mind, the most intractable issue in this country. But in this particular industry, because there are other industries um, that have been racist uh, from the founding that have gotten better over time, these numbers seem to persist in your business. Why is that? So I need to take you back for just a second. Take me back. So take me back. The, the, the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, we've been around since 1947, and we are called realtors. It's a big difference from realtors, a huge difference between are you a realtor or are you a realtor. Mm. So over 75 years ago, NAR, which is the National Association of Realtors, would not allow blacks to be able to sell properties, to be part of their organization which it is a trade organization. That's how the Realtors was formed. That's why we understood that blacks have to come together in order to make sure that African-Americans, that our folks, are able to get into a home and fight this systematic racism that is still going on today. So I wanted to go back on the history as to why we were formed, because that talks about all the different activism that we as a black organization have to really fight on a day-to-day basis. When you're talking over thousands of members in our organizations that are real estate practitioners, and we all have experienced at some point systematic racism, discrimination, redlining, 
Uh, we can go on and on within the history of our organization, but our goal now is to continue to still be that voice, mm. not just through Congress, but right in the heart of the community. Let them know we're here and we're not going to stop fighting. Mm. When we come forward, I want to get uh, Lydia Pope to drill down a bit more on the distinct differences as she sees it between a real tour and a real tist. I love the, the framing. I uh, want to get her to drill down a bit more on that. Uh, and a great deal more to talk about. If you're black and you've ever bought a home or sold a home, then I know you are <laughs> you are you are feeling this conversation because it, it it's not easy to buy one and it ain't easy to sell one and to get the money that you deserve, uh, the money you put into the home over the years you lived there. So let the church say, man. Yeah, I heard that. I heard that. I heard that uh, that collective. Amen. We'll continue uh, with Lydia Pope, uh, the national president uh, of this fine organization, the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. When we uh, come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Uh, thank you for listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. And this is one of those conversations that matter. We're talking with Lydia Pope who is the president of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, a real estate broker herself for many, many years. Uh, this is the organization uh, for black professionals in the industry. And in case you just tuned in, we were talking a moment ago about some of these numbers. Let me just repeat this, even though it was a few minutes ago. Uh, you may have uh, not been in your car at the time or not in your office at the time, but these numbers are just absolutely astounding uh, all these years later as to uh, this particular industry. So I mentioned earlier that... Uh, that uh, the industry is mostly white, male, and aging. Uh, there are about 75,000 appraisers in the country. 97% are white. Nearly three-quarters are both male and above the age of 45. So this is one of those industries uh, that has been uh, run by white males since, uh, since, uh, since the founding, since its genesis. Uh, but all these years later, these numbers uh, persist. And we were just asking Lydia Pope, uh, why these numbers persist. And she was explaining to us that there's a difference, as she sees it, between a real tour and a real tist. What's the primary difference, Lydia Pope, as you see it, between those two monikers? Yeah, thank you. So a real tour, first of all, organizations, real estate organizations are trade groups, mm -hmm. which means you have to pay to be a member of that organization. And so most folks that call themselves real tours, they have to pay to be a real tour. So it's a membership-driven so as I stated back in 47, when blacks were not allowed to be part of the organization, realtors formed. And our whole purpose and the difference with the realtors is that our goal is to focus on not just democracy and housing, but really focus on having and educating two, two sides, our membership, because our black agents and brokers and appraisers need to understand how do you work into a market such as this that still has discriminatory challenges and biases. And for the community as yourself who's looking to buy a home, sell a home, how do you work with a black agent who really understands the culture of the community because we live in it. We know we're, many of us still live in our own communities that we're working in. So it's a big difference is that helping your own. And understand that even though this happened with NAR and they excluded blacks, they didn't just exclude blacks, it was other ethnicities. So you have the Asians, you have the Hispanics that have their own organization because it's all about understanding the culture of who you are when you're working with a black real estate agent that really understands and been down that road with you. Mm -hmm. Let me let me let me try something on you for size. And I, I hope you will take it in the spirit uh, that I'm offering it uh, and I'm asking it uh, uh, really as a question, not so much as a critique, although you will hear 
perhaps in the way I frame it, that I do have an axe to grind. I, I confess that up front. So over the course of my career, you know, and life, I've been blessed to buy any number of residential properties and commercial properties I've bought and I've sold over the course of my career. And I feel myself very fortunate, very blessed to have had the resources over the course of my career in life uh, to do that, to buy and sell commercial and real estate properties. There was one particular property, though, where I felt something that I'd never felt before. And let me just be clear. In my career, 30 plus years, um, I have never used an agent who was not black be they male or female, mostly females. I've always used African-American agents, and I, I, I'm, I feel proud about that, uh, but also feel some sort of way about that, given this particular example I want to share. So, so, so there was one property, Lydia Pope, that I was selling, and the property happened to be um, was a residential property in a, uh, a, a white neighborhood. Uh, and without going into too many details, I don't want to offend the persons in case they're listening, <laughs> but... but I had not one, but two agents, uh, two brokers on this particular deal, both African-American females. And it is my sense to this very day that I got shanked in the selling of that particular property, uh, in part because I had black agents. I'm in a white neighborhood. This white neighborhood is owned and operated, controlled by all these white agents. And I just felt in a variety of ways, again, I don't have time to unpack it, and it ain't worth going through all that anyway, and plus I'll, I'll get upset all over again. <laughs> but, but there were so many ways in this process where I felt that the white folk in this, you know, in this, in this moment, the appraiser, uh, the, the, the agents for the persons who wanted to buy the property, everybody in this process, the loan officers, I felt that every one of these persons in this process at some point was disrespecting my agents. And the only thing I could come up with was that is that they were that they were female and that they were black. So in that particular sense, I felt that having a black real estate agent did not serve me well. As much as I've tried to only use black real estate agents, I have found that there are times when maybe that ain't the best thing. And I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm saying that reluctantly because I'm saying obviously on the radio, national radio, here I am saying this. I love my people. I support my people. But in that instance, I just saw too many examples where I thought that they were being disrespected. And ultimately, that led to my being disrespected in the price that I took for that particular property. But it all started, I think, uh, not just with, you know, uh, the neighborhood we were in, but again, these the fact that I had these black female agents uh, in this particular sale and they just didn't get the respect I thought they deserved. I'll shut up on that. But but I, I raised that. I'm not even sure there's a question there, but it, it does raise all kinds of issues, at least. About when to use a black agent? Should you always use a black agent? Are there times when having a black agent works against you, et cetera, et cetera? I'll shut up and pass the mic to you. But that's my story. Okay. The so first of, and I truly understand where you're coming from. You know, black over the course of the history, it's been very difficult sometimes to break that barrier to get into a white market, to get into a commercialized market, especially when you come to commercial real estate. You know, when you're talking about 5% of America are black agents, that's a very small number huge small number mm -hmm. and what makes it very difficult is that you have to now pick the best out of the pick is, is that the best way to sure, say it sure, sure, and sure. so some of the things that and sometimes you end up having to go a different direction to get what you want and need and so that's truly understandable it's a business decision so I, we, we highly respect that but what the what we try to do with NARAP is our goal is to if you look on our website we have agents all across the country so wherever you're at we train them. We have two conferences a year, and we focus on heavy training. We have a commercial division that trains and certifies 
our commercial real estate folks. We have a NESRA, an appraisal society that has an apprenticeship program to help blacks get into appraising. So we have about 10 different fields of study that each person, each practitioner, that they're licensed, certified, and they get the additional training. So when a person like you may be looking for a a competent or someone who has the experience to really tap the market, um, then just maybe just getting a regular personal referral. Sometimes looking on the website can help you see any expertise in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side, does it make it easy for that black real estate agent or broker to go into that community that's predominantly white and try to battle against so heavy issues when it comes to lending, the neighborhoods, the appraisals, even the agents. And if you look at the brokerages around the country, especially the large brokerages, and I don't know the percentage of how many are black and how many are white, what I like to know and what I, you know, not through experience, but through conversation, I mm-hmm, would say, mm-hmm. is that a lot of black agents aren't getting the piece of the pie. They're not getting that particular um, listing agreement or that sale that comes in. They're not getting a larger one. They're getting a smaller one. They're getting the low numbers, and they're putting the, our black agents back into their neighborhoods, which we definitely want to help our consumers and our clients. But at the same time, elevating ourselves in the real estate market, that's the career that we've chosen. But there's a lot of barriers, and I don't um, – your decision was a good decision because, unfortunately – it's a good decision, but it gives you that bad taste because you want to work with your own people, mm-hmm. but then they won't let us in the door to do that in order exactly. to get what you need. Yeah, and that's what that's and what, it makes it very hard. It does. It makes it hard for you, uh, the agent. It makes it hard for for me, the seller, because again, I I didn't want to. I mean, I thought many times, and I had friends who suggested to me, Tabish, you need to drop those sisters, get you a white agent, and get your money. Have them, make make them run you your coins, <laughs> get you a white agent. The problem was that two things. One, I didn't want to sandbag them uh, in the process. Number one, uh, they were expecting a commission if we had sold this property, and so I didn't want to, you know, you know, you know, put them out to pasture, so to speak. Uh, on, on the other hand, you know, I didn't want to take less than I deserve for this particular property, uh, and so it was it was a, it was a trick bag that I, I kind of found myself in. Not to mention, thirdly. That you know, once the once the property's on the market for so long, all the agents who can possibly bring you a deal know who owns the property at that point. So you can change to a white agent. That's correct. You can change to a white agent, and you might get a little bit more. I don't know um, because you got a white agent talking to a white agent, but they still know it's a Negro who owns it. So I still don't know if that would have uh, advantaged me in any sort of way. But it just it made me feel it, it left to your point. I, I'm I'm glad you used that phrase. It left a bad taste in my mouth. In that particular instance about using these two black women, I think I made a mistake. I probably shouldn't have done it. And yet at the same time, I want to support my own people, which leads me uh, to ask why you and others um, have been so dedicated for years to remain in an industry that doesn't seem to be changing anywhere near as swiftly as other industries when it comes to respecting black people in that process as be they be they loan officers be they appraisers be they agents brokers why stay in an industry that is that is as racist let me just call it what it is as this industry is you know because my thing is 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 is, is reach one teach one right you know in order for that five percent to grow we have to bring in more black real estate practitioners and you have to really have a heart to take the beatings and the battles of going out in the field, because sometimes you feel like you're on the battlefield mm. when you have to fight. Um, but, you know, if your heart is for your own culture, for your people, for making sure that they don't get discriminated against or doing as much as you can to try to stop the blockbusting and redlining, the stigmatism and all that follows it, 
then to me, you know, you can you can sleep at night saying that you've done your job. Yes, it's a it's a job that we spend. We don't get as paid as much, and it's a job that sometimes um, our clients don't don't trust. Um, black that blacks can really sell a home or buy a home. Mm-hmm. I've experienced all the above. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't stop me from waking up in the morning knowing that I have a mission. And if I can get one more black person in a home doing the right thing, treating them the right way, talking to them about products and services and being educated, not that I've done my job, that I've done my service and I've added another black to the community, rather it's an all-white community, mm-hmm. a mixed community, or all-black community. Yeah. Um- so we were talking a moment ago about the fact that as a black man, I had a, a black agent who, again, I, black agents who I thought, you know, might not have served me so well in that particular incident. The flip side of that is white people who were selling properties, commercial, residential. Why would a white client uh, in a country that is as racist as this country is, why would a white client hire a black agent? I mean, I'm, I'm just asking that because I'm wondering how many white clients you've actually had in your career. Uh, if they know they want the most for their money, like uh, they, they, they want to get the most for their property, like I want the most of my property, why would they as a white person hire a black agent? Well, it's a, it's a couple of things. If, if in my market, probably about 97% of my clients are black. Okay. So, a white person would want to either a, a white buyer. I'm gonna go buyer and seller. Sure. A white buyer would buy the house because they want that house, they want that community, they want that neighborhood. So sometimes they're not looking at the color; they're mm-hmm. looking at the property. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing. But as far as hiring me to list your property, it's either by referral, you know, or they don't mind working with a black person. But that's a very small number, mm-hmm. and I've not really encompassed that. Many of mine have been referral basis. From doctors to dentists. I went to my doctor about a month ago, and my doctor said he was going to list his house. He was a white doctor. Mm-hmm. And so knowing I'm a real estate broker, of course, I put on my spiel in conversation. He said where he's going to list his house at and so forth and so forth. I gave him my card, and I said, you know, it would be nice for you to give me a conversation, at least speak with me in regards to knowing what I can do to value your property. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Hold, that, hold, one- hold that thought. I want, I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear what he said. Now, this is your doctor who's known you for some time. Obviously, you go to him all the time. This is your doctor who knows you's one of his great patients. Uh, you ask him for the chance to list his property. I want to know what your white doctor said to you when we come forward with Lydia Pope on KBLA Talk 1580. You are indeed. You're listening to Lydia Pope on KBLA Talk 1580. She is the national president of the Real Estate Brokers, National Association of Real Estate Brokers. This is the organization for African-American professionals. Um, she is her national president. Uh, you've been a broker how long, uh, Lydia? 27 years. Oh, yeah, almost 30 years uh, doing it herself, and uh, she is the national president of this organization now. Um, t- tell me about, um, I mean, before I go back to, well, let me do, some, do this first. I know people are waiting on this answer. Let me just get this out the way first. So you were talking to your, your white doctor, your white physician, and he was telling he was going to list his home. You gave me your card asking for a conversation, uh, teed up the opportunity, uh, to, uh, list his property for him. And what did your white physician say to you? So the wife is, before I say what the white physician did, let me add this one piece to sure, that sure, conversation. Sure, sure, sure. He, had, he had asked me advice on the real estate market. Is it a good time to sell? So he's got my expertise um, at the doctor's office in the doctor's room. Mm-hmm. So let me just tee up with that. Okay. And after all the conversations, that end, he ended up just smiling and said, okay. And that was about maybe six months ago. So you think I've heard from him yet? And I'm sure he listed his property with someone else, and it definitely wasn't me. Mm. 
So when is when is your next? <laughs> I, I, I am trying to get in your business. When is your next appointment with that physician? Oh, I can't wait. It's July. <laughs> <laughs> and I will. And I will be asking him that question. Yeah, I figured so, it. Since he, he opened up those doors, I'll make sure I close. Yeah, hey, I, I figured as much. <laughs> I know you can't wait for that July. And I want to see him in part. Oh, I can't wait to July. <laughs> yeah, something something tells me, Miles. You, you, you feeling me on this one? Something tells me it's going to be hotter than. July, you, you get it. Okay, yeah, that, okay. I thought you'd get that. Uh, we may play out with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be hotter than hotter than July in that conversation. But I, I, yes. I, I dig- oh, yes. yeah, I digress. Love Stevie Wonder. Um, that that said, tell tell me about uh, about the organization. I uh, I want to learn a, a bit more about the organization, and I'm, and I'm specifically more interested in the kinds of uh, brothers and sisters who belong to this organization. Okay, so so the National Association of Real Estate Brokers again has been around seventy five years. Mm-hmm. And its whole purpose is on democracy and housing, civil rights. And the organization is black, African-American based. We do have membership of all ethnicities, so we don't deny membership. Sure. And, and the part of our organization, it focuses on a couple of things. For the members, we have a slew of trainings and certifications. Part of this, we have our Midwinter Conference in San Diego, and then we have our National in Houston coming up this year. And what we're doing at our, at our conferences, just so you'll know, is we're training our members on faith-based, understanding how to speak with the pastors and discuss home ownership. We have certifications on appraising, learning how to become an entrepreneur and to become a licensed appraiser because it's very difficult to get into that business, into that window. We have our HUD certification because I'm also a HUD certified housing counselor mm-hmm. with the Housing and Urban Development. We have our, our updates and our trainings for housing counseling. We talk about property management. You were trained on that. So we have a slew of trainings for our members. So if you're a property manager, a licensed real estate agent, a loan officer, a title person, an appraiser, a home inspector, anyone in the real estate, an investor, anything in the real estate industry will fit you at mm-hmm. this conference. And we do the training there. Mm-hmm. Now, the community. The part of the training is that we have over, over 100-plus local boards around the country. And those local boards go into the community to provide all the services that they were trained on. In addition to that, that they provide community days and outreach to the black community. And we host them at the churches, at the community centers, right in the heart of the city, just so that home ownership, they understand the value of that. Our home buyer workshops, so they understand more about real estate and beginning that stage and programs and what's out there for them. So it hits the two pieces, and then the last part of that is working with our our, our GSEs, our housing industry, our congressional folks, Secretary of HUD. We support her PAVE program when it comes to appraising. We're down at Congress. We're down on the Hill. We'll be at the Hill in a couple of months discussing some of the challenges that are happening within the black community, such as climate control and other issues, down payment assistance, credit, student loans, there's a slew of them. And we go down there and voice our opinion. So those are the three categories that we work with and our partners and our lending partners that comes in and supports us, supports our vision. There are three things you said now that I want to uh, interrogate right quick, Lydia, and give you a chance to respond to. Um, this notion of democracy and housing that you've raised a couple of times. I, I heard that phrase. It, it wasn't lost on me. And I want to spend some time unpacking that notion as you all see it. Uh, democracy in housing. I've been saying uh, often on this program of late, and I gave a speech about this a couple of weeks ago, right around the King holiday, a major speech here in Los Angeles, uh, talking about the fact that uh, America is not a democracy. We are at best an experiment 
in democracy, but we're leaning more toward an oligarchy, more toward a plutocracy, more toward an autocracy during the Trump era. We are not as yet a democracy. We are an experiment in democracy. And here you come now talking about democracy in housing. So I want to unpack that with you because I, I think I see where you're going with that. And it's, it's worth talking about. Um, two other things in, in front of that, though. Since you mentioned uh, that you're a HUD certified uh, broker, um, do things ever get better for black realtors, uh, black realtists uh, when there are African-Americans who run the HUD department? There have been a number over the course of, of this country's history. Uh, there's a black woman running it now, Marsha Fudge, former chair of the CBC, a former member of Congress out of Ohio. I know her well. She's been on this station in this studio um, uh, during her tenure as HUD secretary. Do things get any better when there's a black person running the HUD department? Well, when you're talking politics, you know it's always going to be a fight. Sure, sure, sure. So that, that and, it, and it makes, just like it does in real estate, it makes it makes congressional, especially if you're a black congressional leader, it makes it very difficult, or a GSC or a leader in the in, in the housing industry, such as Secretary of HUD. You have, um, of course, you have um, Jenny May is a black. Mm-hmm. You know, she's an African-American woman, sure. the head of Jenny May. So you have all these different congressional folks and and, and leaders that are in Congress but yes, it makes it very difficult. Does it change the bar? I think it puts us a step forward because number one, it shows that the faces of Congress are black. That it's okay, that we're breaking some of these glass ceilings, and we're beginning to understand that blacks are important to be part of these these statues of these titles that they have. And blacks have, such as Marsha Fudge, has the pants the passion to work with our community. She's lived in the community. She's from my city. She worked very hard, Mm -hmm. so she understands that passion. So does it make it hard for them? Absolutely. Is there a breakthrough? I say it's a crack in the door, but we're not there. And you're right. We are not democracy in housing. Our goal is to fight for that, but we are not. It's too much racism and too many years back with systematic racism that is not caught up with our culture. I want to drill down on that a bit more in just a second, uh, this notion of democracy and housing. Before I do that, though, um, I I, I know a number of people, and I've heard folk over the years, who have a full-time gig, and they decide to become an agent basically as a side hustle. And I've never quite understood that because I know, again, having bought and sold residential and commercial properties over the course of my career, I know the time it takes, the time you put in, to actually make a sale work. It doesn't just happen. But I see so many people, I've known people over the years, who uh, go get a broker's license because they broker's license because they want to do it as a side hustle. Can you really do real estate as a side hustle? You know, real estate um, as a side hustle is only as good as you put the heart into it. Mm-hmm. You know, because real estate has more components to it than just selling someone a house and going out there and to get your commission check. You know, by the time you pay your dues and look at the expenses that it takes to become a real estate agent versus the income that's coming in as a side job, you find that the money just don't match and you find yourself going into a deficit. So in order to really do the side hustle, do your homework first and really understand the gamut it takes to be a part of this real estate industry. Mm -hmm. Is it easy? Absolutely not. But can it be profitable? Yes, it can be profitable, but we still have that small number. When we come forward uh, with Lydia Pope, uh, national president of the NASA Association of Real Estate Brokers, we're going to come to this issue of democracy in housing. Uh, If everything else in this country is uh, undemocratic, why should housing be democratic? And yet, uh, for so many of us, for all of us, for any of us, um, home ownership is the way, particularly and especially for people of color, 
um, to get on the road to creating wealth. And so a house is more than just a home. It's a way to create wealth. Uh, and when that particular field um, is uh, undemocratic, uh, not democratized, uh, it causes problems. And the reality is it's been that way for quite some time. We'll talk to Lydia Pope about whether or not they're making any progress in democratizing housing in this country when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Interrogating your assumptions. And expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. So Lydia Pope, let's talk about democracy in housing. Uh, this audience is pretty smart and we know full well uh, since the founding of this country the difficulty that black folk have had. Uh, in uh, trying to become homeowners, um, that property that I referenced earlier on which I had in these two agents that I thought, you know, might not have been the best move for me in that particular instance. Um, the neighborhood um, is, uh, was, is a neighborhood that was integrated by Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole was the first African-American to buy a residential property in this particular neighborhood. And this is Nat King Cole, who at the time was the only African-American, the first African-American to have a, 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 a a variety talk show, a variety show rather, a variety show on uh, television. Uh, Nat King Cole had a show. He was selling records like nobody's business, the number one selling artist of the time. He moves into this white neighborhood here in Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, this is Nat King Cole, whose records these white folk are all listening to and dancing to in their homes. He moved into this house. And the night he moved in, they burned a cross on his lawn. This is Nat King Cole. And they burned a cross on his lawn. The property I sold was around the corner from the house that Nat King Cole had bought to integrate this particular neighborhood. That was back in the day. And yet here we are still all these years later dealing with this notion of democracy and housing. What say you about the progress or lack thereof that we're making in that regard? Now, first of all, it's still the same issues that was with the Nat King Cole is still here today. You know, um, folks are still going into neighborhoods where they're putting crosses on your on your lawn, where they're spray painting your 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 property, and this happened so recently. So it's still existing today. It has not gone away. You know, we have to remember about our generational wealth that you know white Americans that you know because of of the of the systematic racism, and many of them may have passed it on from generation to generation as the generations are going through the systematic racism, it just bleeds into what's happening today. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those that have been going through that racism whose family taught them that is, that, that, that is, is, is right to be white um, makes it very difficult when they're going up and their children are teaching their children. And again, that generation is where we're at today, and it hasn't stopped. You know, when you look at the homeownership gap back in 1960, where it was like a 27% gap, like 38% black home ownership. Mm-hmm. And then you look just as, just as early as 2022, the last, you know, the last quarter, we're talking about 45% black. It's still a 29% gap. Mm. 1960, 27%. Today, 29%. Mm. That 2% has been teeter-tottering over the last decades. And so it has really not increased as heavy as it should have, which tells us that there's no real solution but there are some improvements that we as black Americans can begin to do when it comes into the real estate industry. When we come forward in our remaining moments with Lydia Pope, we're going to talk about the issue that uh, we are all fully aware of. Uh, every so often in, in the newspaper or online, you see stories about black folk uh, who had to unblack their house, uh, make it look white. And when they did that, uh, the value rose significantly. Their praise value rose. The uh, the value of the listing rose um, once they unblacked 
<laughs> their particular residence. Uh, it's still happening in 2023. We'll talk about that uh, in our remaining moments with Lydia Pope when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. Uh, right now. Don't forget on the B side of next hour, a conversation with Adam Schiff. Congressman Adam Schiff announced a few hours ago he uh, is throwing his hat in the ring. Uh, for the Senate seat now held by Diane Feinstein. So we'll talk to Congressman Schiff uh, on the B side of next hour. And don't forget in our third and final hour today, LAPD Chief Michael Moore live in studio for the hour. Has he earned, does he deserve a second term as LAPD Chief? We'll talk to him exclusively uh, in hour three today on Tavis Smiley. We wrap this hour now, though, in conversation with Lydia Pope. About four minutes left to go talking uh, all things real estate and black people. Um, so Lydia, this story again persists, as I said earlier, this, this racism in your industry, the real estate industry persists and uh, 97% of the folk in it are white. Most of them are white and male, uh, above the age of 45 uh, of those 75,000 brokers, 97% white, as I said. Um, so these numbers are ugly. These numbers persist, uh, unrelenting as it were. And one of the other things that persists. Uh, is that if you really want to get the most out of your property, you better unblack it before you put it on the market. You better unblack it before you get an appraisal. And a house like mine, that's tough to do. I mean, <laughs> it's going to take me weeks to go through my house to unblack my house. I mean, I got black art. I got black photos. Of my, my mom and daddy are black. My friends are black. I got photos everywhere, art everywhere. I mean, it would take me a lot of work to unblack my house. And I say that somewhat jokingly, but that that is annoying to me. That you got to spend all of this time to take all of your stuff out and put a bunch of vanilla neutral stuff in to get the price that you deserve for your house. Why should a nigga have to go through all that, Lydia? And first of all, you should not have to. That's, you know, you don't want to come to my house then because there's no way I can unblack my house. <laughs> exactly. So let me just start with that <laughs> from the end to the out. Yeah. So let's start with that. But, yeah, so, so you know, when, when it comes to the appraisals, that's the reason why when you say that 97%, you know, NARAB, back in 2013, we put out what they call a State of Housing and Black America report. Mm-hmm. You can look on our website, NARAB.com. It gives you a full detail about the appraisal biases and then some of the challenges and how do we resolve some of this. One thing that we do do is the HBCUs. you got to go into these black colleges for these young folks. Get them into appraising because they're young, they're energetic, they're vibrant. The other thing is retraining um, some of our, our, our real estate members to become appraisers while they're young, while they're energetic, because these are good ways to be able to increase that number that we have. So you got to start somewhere. So we do have an apprenticeship program, NARAP does, that are working on those. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to begin to start the process. But to unblack your property is, to me, is unconstitutional. It's unethical. And I pray that I'm sure with the Secretary of HUD and her pay that we truly support that they will begin to find those solutions and really put them into force. But, you know, now we're dealing with a with, with a biased administration between Democrats and Republicans. So um, we have to deal with that. But on the, on the other end, we have to see, keep working with uh, within our communities and our colleges and our and our and our communities become appraisers because the only way we'll be able to make a difference. You no, know, I think you're right about that. Um, Dr. King, who I referenced earlier, once said that. Uh that you cannot legislate morality. And uh, and for that matter, you can't, if I could add to his quote, you can't legislate ethics. It is uh, to have to, to have to unblack your house. It's immoral. It's unethical. It's undemocratic. It's un-American. And yet that's what we have to do uh, to get the right price for our properties. Um, I'm sitting right now in our studios. We're in the heart of the Lamert Park community, which is gentrifying like crazy uh, in L.A., uh, and uh, we had to get this building appraised where the studio sits some time ago. 
And I knew they were going to do it. They sent me a white male appraiser and I got in that white man's ear and I literally followed him around for the three hours. He was appraising this property. I was in his ear. Every step he took, uh, I was his shadow. You can believe that. And I was in his ear to make sure he understood the value of this building, what was happening in this neighborhood. Uh, I showed him photos. I gave him uh, census tracts. I mean, I literally was working him over for three hours to make sure he understood where he was. And he's from Orange County somewhere, nowhere near Lamert Park where this studio sits. And I'm like, why would they send me an appraiser from a, from a, from a, from a whole other county? who knew nothing about the area. And so it was my job to make sure he understood that the Metro train is coming through and Sankofa Park is being constructed. I had to explain to him, which should have been his job, the neighborhood he was appraising in. And fortunately, when the appraiser came back, it was, you know, it was, it was fair. Uh, but uh, that's only because I worked him over for three hours and I shouldn't have had to do that either. But such is the nature of having melanin in our skin in this place called America. Her name is Lydia Pope, um, almost 30-year agent herself in the real estate industry. And she is the national president of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. Let's hope and pray and work for that matter uh, to change these numbers in the months and years to come. Lydia, thank you for your work and witness. Good to have you on this program. Thank you so much. Glad to be on it. My great honor. Hour two of Tavis Smiley. After news, traffic, and sports, you're listening to Unapologetically Progressive, KBLA Talk 1580.